No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the exiles return from Babylon to Jerusalem. Their names and numbers are recorded, but some priests can't prove their pedigree and are disqualified from serving as priests. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Ezra chapter 2 on Simply the Bible. These were exciting days for the nation of Israel. God had moved upon King Cyrus of Persia to issue a proclamation so that everyone who was willing could return from Babylon to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. Now the returning exiles had a great journey ahead. We continue in Ezra chapter 2. Now these are the people of the province who came back from the captivity of those who had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away to Babylon, and who returned to Jerusalem and Judah, everyone to his own city. Those who came with Zerubbabel were Jeshua, Nehemiah, Siriah, Reoiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mispar, Bigvi, Reham, and Baana. Not all the Jews in Babylon decided to return to their homeland. Since they didn't have the farms they owned in Israel, many Jews went into banking while in Babylon. Some became very wealthy, and leaving their wealth and comfortable lifestyle in Babylon for a hard life of pioneering didn't appeal to everyone. But God recorded the names of his people who responded to King Cyrus's proclamation to return to Judah. No doubt they occupied a very special place in the heart of God. A few of these names stand out. Zerubbabel was a descendant of King Jehoiakim. He was a prince of Judah. He would be governor of the exiles returning to Judah. Jeshua, or Joshua as he is also called, was the high priest. Zerubbabel and Joshua appear together quite a bit in the book of Zechariah, which was written about 16 years after the exiles returned. Zerubbabel and Joshua hold prominent positions in God's plan for rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. The Nehemiah named here was not the Nehemiah who would rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. He would not arrive in Jerusalem until about 90 years later. Finally, this Mordecai is not the cousin of Esther. The rest of the names listed in this chapter are meaningless to us, but they weren't meaningless to God. The Holy Spirit devoted two chapters to recording their names here and in Nehemiah chapter 7, where the list is repeated, we see that God takes note of those who remember him. In Malachi 3.16, we read, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. 
As those who feared God spoke to one another about the Lord, God listened in. He took note of what they were saying, and a book of remembrance was written before him. And God said, they shall be mine. I will make them my jewels. I will spare them. Therefore, God sees the sacrifices you make for him. He pays attention when you meditate on his name, and he even listens when you talk about him. God keeps accurate records so that he can reward you accordingly. In verses 3 through 35, we are given the names of the people of Israel, their home cities, and the numbers according to their families. With the exception of four of the cities, all the places mentioned are located within 30 miles of Jerusalem. One of those cities mentioned is Anathoth. Seventy years earlier, God told Jeremiah to purchase a field in Anathoth and to seal up the deed. It seemed foolish to purchase it, knowing that the people would soon be taken away captive. But God was looking ahead to the restoration of the land, and he wanted Jeremiah to exercise faith and hope in God's promise. Now, the long-expected day had come when the sealed scroll would prove to be of real value. Those who trust in God's word will never be ashamed. In verses 36 through 39, we are given the names of the families of priests. Their total was 4,289. There were only 74 Levites. Why so few? Some commentators speculate that perhaps this was due to their lowly kind of work to which they weren't particularly eager to return. There were, however, 128 singers. These were descendants of Asaph, whom David had appointed as worship leader. Worshiping God would be extremely important as they repopulated Jerusalem and rebuilt the temple. There were 139 gatekeepers. It was their duty to lock and unlock the doors of the temple and to watch over the treasury. In verses 43 through 54, we are given the families of Nethanim. The Nethanim are thought to be descendants of the Gibeonites, who tricked Joshua when he and the children of Israel were conquering the Canaanites. Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers before the Lord. The word Nethanim literally means those given. These servants were given over to the service of God. You know, in one sense, we should all be those who are given over to the service of God. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There is no higher calling for any of us than to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, no matter what we do. You don't have to be in full-time ministry to be given over to the Lord's service. Just simply do whatever you do wholeheartedly as unto the Lord, because He is the one you are serving. In verses 55 through 58, we are told of the sons of Solomon's servants. Not much is known about them, but evidently they served in the sanctuary. In verses 59 through 61, the names are given of those who could not prove their genealogy. This is understandable because of the destruction of Jerusalem and the deportation of captives, 
but it was a real problem for these men who claimed to be priests. These sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore, they were excluded from the priesthood as defiled. And the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy things till a priest could consult with the Urim and Thummim. A priest could not minister before the Lord unless he could prove that he was a son of Aaron of the tribe of Levi. Since these men could not prove their genealogy, they were excluded from the priesthood as being defiled. Zerubbabel said they could not eat the priest's portions of sacrifices until a priest could consult with the Urim and Thummim. What was that? You see, the breastplate of the high priest was a piece of linen folded in half to form a pouch about nine inches square. The outside of the breastplate had 12 precious stones with the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. Inside the pouch was the Urim and Thummim, which means lights and perfections. We don't know what these were, but they were used to determine the will of God. The high priest could ask a question and the Lord would respond, indicating the answer. So Zerubbabel would not allow these men to serve as priests until the Urim and Thummim could be consulted to see if they truly were priests. We all come from different nationalities and ethnic backgrounds. There may be people in your family tree that are honorable or dishonorable, but the pedigree that ultimately matters is that we are children of God. We should all be able to prove that pedigree. You say, well, how do I do that? 1 John 4.13 says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. In Romans 8.16 we read, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you have the testimony of the Holy Spirit bearing witness with your own spirit that you're God's child? If you are saved, then you do. God wants you to have the total assurance of your salvation. I like to say that you should know in your knower. And if you don't know, then according to Peter, you must make your call and election sure. You see, I went for years as a youth not knowing if I was saved. The problem was that I knew the right way, but I wasn't living it. But when I truly committed myself to Christ, that no matter what, I was going to follow him, then guess what? I knew that I was saved. And that blessed assurance has never left me in 40 years. So I ask you, can you prove your pedigree as a child of God? Verse 64, the whole assembly together was 42,360 besides their male and female servants of whom there were 7,337, and they had 200 men and women singers. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, and their donkeys 6,720. The total number of exiles returning to Judah from Babylon was 49,897. We are given the number of their livestock, there was about one horse for every 70 people, one camel for every 115, and one donkey for every seven. 
some of the heads of the father's houses, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to erect it in its place. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 gold drachmas, 5,000 minas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. Now, these returning exiles didn't have much. They were starting from scratch. They would have to build new homes and plant new farms. It was a difficult, pioneering life they faced in the new frontier. But that didn't stop them from opening their hearts and opening their wallets to give freely to the Lord's house. Each one gave according to his ability. Those who had more gave more. Altogether, they gave 1,100 pounds of gold, 6,000 pounds of silver, and 100 sets of garments for the priests. Let me say that giving to building projects is never a money issue. It's a heart issue. When God has touched your heart, then he will have your money. If he doesn't have your money, it's because he doesn't have your heart. They were so overjoyed to be back in the promised land and part of the rebuilding of the temple that they gave cheerfully and willingly to the Lord's house. And that is the only kind of giving that pleases God. So the priests and the Levites, some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nethanim dwelt in their cities and all Israel in their cities. Just as Jeremiah had prophesied, the 70 years of captivity had now ended. The people had come home. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208-319-4860. That's 208-319-4860. Tomorrow, we'll see where the returning exiles restore worship by building an altar on the original site. Next, they lay the temple foundation. It's a strange combination of rejoicing and weeping. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Ezra on Simply the Bible. <laughs>